The Hamlet Podcast, Episode 16. Hello, and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hamlety. At the end of the previous episode, Hamlet rather hastily concluded his first soliloquy, which has been all about lamenting his mother's speed in marrying his uncle. And when you put it like that, it's no wonder he's upset. Sensing that someone is coming into the room, he ends with break my heart, for I must hold my tongue. There are a number of such references to hearts breaking in Hamlet, and, as is the case almost every time a heart breaks in Shakespeare, it is not anything like the feeling we associate with romantic love today. When a heart breaks in Shakespeare, it will be from sadness or from grief. Perhaps the most extreme examples are Enobarbus in Antony and Cleopatra, who literally speaks his heart into breaking, thereby ending his life, and King Lear, whose final lines, at least in one edition, are Break heart, I prithee, break. Again, a character willing his heart to stop. Grief and sadness were particularly worrisome because they created an excess of melancholy, one of the four humours, and could lead to deadly outcomes. As such, a stoicism in the face of such extreme emotions was to be encouraged. Hamlet, who just about always appears so mercurially clever, is at once able to play on the contrast between what can and cannot be expressed, even after such a personal soliloquy, and almost ruefully jokes that though his heart may break, he must hold his tongue. And the reason his soliloquy ends is that, at last, Horatio and the Watchmen have finally managed to find their moment alone with him. Hamlet, the prince, has been alone with his thoughts, and so... Horatio is very polite in his greeting. Hail to your lordship. The prince is distracted, perhaps. Certainly we all know exactly what is on his mind now, and his reply is rather vague, rather generally polite or even guarded. I'm glad to see you well. But then he realises that this isn't just some random courtier hanging around Elsinore. Horatio, or I do forget myself. They are both still a a bit formal, a bit awkward, still using the you form instead of the more personal and intimate thou. Horatio speaks and Hamlet answers. The same, my lord, and your poor servant ever. Sir, my good friend, I'll change that name with you. He considers Horatio a friend, certainly not just a courtier. But what is Horatio doing here? Hamlet is getting excited now and his attention bounces between his interest in Horatio and the other gentlemen who have accompanied him, Marcellus and Bernardo. And what make you from Wittenberg, Horatio? Marcellus, my good lord, I'm very glad to see you. Good even, sir. The big question for Hamlet is why on earth Horatio isn't back at the university. But what in faith make you from Wittenberg? He's, He's said it the same way twice now. He's really making the point. And of course, there are a lot of questions here. If Horatio is Hamlet's friend from university, how is he so well-versed in Danish history and politics, as we've heard in the first scene? How long has he been at court? And how might it be that the first person he went to see isn't Hamlet? Is Horatio Danish at all? These questions certainly come up, and they are all valid in their way. But for me, what's important here is that Hamlet is met with a familiar, friendly face. In the midst of all this angst, in the aftermath of the awkwardly speedy wedding, it is such a relief to see someone that is absolutely on his side. Horatio's answer is light-hearted. 
He's left university because of a truant disposition, my good lord. I would not hear your enemy say so, nor shall you do my near that violence to make it truster of your own report against yourself. I know you are no truant. Hamlet is not convinced. He will not for a moment entertain this idea that Horatio would ever be a delinquent and skip school for the sake of it. Truant disposition, his foot. We get another reference to the ear here. Do mine ear that violence. Shakespeare really wants us to have this kind of thing in our minds as the play moves forward, violence being visited upon the person via the ear. And of course, we will see why eventually. Hamlet pushes the question to his friend, really, why is he here? But what is your affair in Elsinore? We'll teach you to drink deep ere you depart. Perhaps here Hamlet is getting another dig in at Claudius and his drinking, since there will be further talk of it in upcoming scenes too. Or perhaps it's just Hamlet telling Horatio that he's going to need a stiff drink to be in any way comfortable here in this madhouse. Horatio, tactfully, gently, explains that he has come in support. My lord, I came to see your father's funeral. It's a decent, gentle reason for coming. Hamlet is still flighty, but there's a shift here from you to thee. They are becoming more comfortable in each other's company. Horatio has brought up the painful subject of the bereavement, but Hamlet twists things around, almost making a joke to cover any awkwardness. I pray thee, do not mock me, fellow student. I think it was to see my mother's wedding. Horatio, with supreme tact, comments very gently, Indeed, my lord, it followed hard upon. Thrift, thrift, Horatio. The funeral baked meats did coldly furnish forth the marriage tables. Hamlet is being very brusque here, putting the unseemly haste down to simple economy or thrift. The two ceremonies were so close together that the food that was prepared for the funeral was then served cold at the wedding feast. It's sarcastic and it's painful, but also clever and rather ruefully funny. As far as Hamlet is concerned, this is the only problem in his life right now. The unpleasant outcome of his father's untimely death is that his uncle has become king and married his mother. It's weird, and it's disappointing, and it's embarrassing that his mother hasn't even spent any courtesy time in mourning. But now his friend has shown up from university, perhaps with news or gossip, or even just a fresh perspective on everything. Sadly for Hamlet, Horatio hasn't just come to shoot the breeze. He has urgent business and an almost unbelievable story to tell, and we're going to have to let him tell it next time. As ever, thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. This week it looks like we're going to clear 2,000 individual listens to the podcast, for which many, many thanks. And if you've missed any, do not fear, they're all available on our website, thehamletpodcast.com. I'll talk to you again next time.